Oh, did it just the title on my messages, but I have to now for the podcast. If you're listening to us on the podcast, so you know, congregation, we're getting plagues all over the world. Um, I can't remember all the countries. But if you're listening to us on the podcast, we're, for, we're Grace Family Worship Center. We're in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Um, tune in to us. You can find us on Facebook, or if you've already found us if you're, on the, if you're on the podcast. But if you're here today and you don't know where it's at, you can find us on Facebook, like Grace Family Worship Center. Um, all the podcast feeds come up, and you can like us there, and you'll, and you'll get all the podcasts. Um, so I will title this message today, Attack on the Mind. So like I'm ready I, I had this song in my head earlier this week, like a bride waiting for her groom, we, we'll be the church ready for you. Anybody know that song? You recognize that song just from those two lines? I'm not a singer, I'm the preacher, so I'm not even going to try to sing it for you, but that's the words that were in my head. It sounded a lot better in my head than they come out of my mouth. So we'll be the one, we'll be the church ready for you. So think about the time that a bride can spend preparing, right? I, I think about my, my niece. Hard to call my niece. My niece is ready to get married, and that makes me feel kind of old. But but Kirsten's not getting married till next year, right? July. Is it two years? July. July next year. So she's preparing for over a year, preparing diligently. All the time I hear him say, "We're going to the store. We're going to prepare this. We're going to get that. We're going to get this thing ready. We're making vases and we're making stuff to go on the tables. Preparing and preparing and preparing, even as far out as as, as over a year away. They've been preparing, preparing for this thing diligently, doing this eagerly, awaiting the wedding." Are you following me? Shouldn't that be what the church looks like? We should be diligently preparing ourselves for when Jesus steps up. It, it compares him to a bride and groom. When Jesus steps out of that cloud, we should be diligently preparing ourselves, eagerly waiting. I can't wait to get to that date when Jesus steps out on the cloud. Yes. Shouldn't that be how the church is today? Yes. But the enemy wants to move us. He wants to move us. He attacks our mind. He wants to move us from our, in our mind from where we're supposed to be or where we're at. Because most people in the church today, most of y'all are there, our core group, right? So I know that you've been saved and you're, and you're prepared and you're getting ready and we're eager to perform when Jesus steps on that cloud, right? Amen. That's where most of us are at. So, so the enemy wants to, or the devil wants to come against us and he wants to move us from where we're at to where he wants us to be. And he does this through attacking our minds. That's, that's the most common way. There's other ways he can go about it too. He can attack our bodies. He can do, but, but most of the time, it's attacking our mind, right? And he chips away a little bit here and a little bit there. It's not always. He doesn't usually come in one day and move you from, from you're prepared and you're eager and you're ready and you're ready and, and you can't wait for God, for Jesus to show up on that cloud. He doesn't take you from there and throw you completely over to here, off track, right? It, he chips away at it. A little bit here, a little bit there, right? right? An add on your phone. It could be anything. Are you following me? It could be a commercial on television. It could be something somebody says. It could be a report from a doctor. Are you following me? It's a little bit here, a little bit there, and it keeps going. So there's two main avenues that he uses when he attacks our mind, right? And the first one I'm going to talk about today is temptation. He attacks us through, this kind of what Katie talked about before the song. He attacks us with temptation. He gives us thoughts. He gives us dreams. He gives us imagination. He gives us reports, right? He, he wants to tempt us with things. Are you following me? Whether, well, whatever, your, whatever your familiar sin is, we all have familiar sins. We've been forgiven of our familiar sins, but there's sins that can come back upon us at any time. Are you following me? Yeah. Whether, whether it be sins, uh, sexual sins, lust, or whether it be addictions, whether it be anxiety. Anxiety is a sin, right? Jesus said, don't worry. So if he said, don't do it, we're doing it. What would you call that? So he can, he, can, he can attack us in the avenue of temptation, or he can attack us in the avenue of anxiety or worry, right? If we're worried about some things, he'll keep us busy worrying instead of preparing for the wedding, preparing for that day when Jesus steps out on the, on, on the cloud. And he can do it through thoughts, temptations, dreams, like I said, uh, uh, reports. And, and both of these avenues lead to sin. 
They both will lead to sin. Are you following me? Y'all gonna get quiet all day? Temptation, if it's if it's undealt with, will lead to sin. The Bible says so. Anxiety and worry, if you don't deal with it, it'll lead to sin. Jesus said, Don't do it. Right? He said, Don't do it. So we're gonna talk about the temptation, the 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 avenue of temptation first, right? So in Genesis 4, 4 through 7, it says this. <clears throat> Abel also brought brought of the firstborn of his flock. So Abel, Abel was a, an animal farmer, right? He was a sheep farmer. Follow me? Cain, his brother, was a dirt farmer. He raised, he raised fruit, produce, whatever he had. So Abel also brought for Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and offered their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. So the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Go ahead, sis. And five, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And I give you, I give you a definition right there. Countenance, right there. That word countenance means face. You see, every time I've read, read this before, I just read right past that, and I thought it meant his attitude or something, or, or his actions. But countenance means face. So that either would mean his facial, facial expression dropped or his head dropped. Would you agree? I can't think of how other that ever was, but maybe his expression dropped and his head dropped because he was, he was angry with God. Go ahead. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? So by God asking him, why indicates that Cain already knew, right? I don't ask my kids questions they don't know the answer to usually. Are you following me? Why are you doing this? You know how to act in public. You know what you're supposed to be doing, Cain. Cain, you know what kind of offering you brought me last time. You know how you're supposed to be. You know how we do this, Cain. It's like me telling my kids, you know how you act in public. Don't embarrass me. Are you following me? So by him asking why indicates that the Cain already knew the answer to this question. Why have you done this? Or why are you angry? You already knew what you're supposed to bring. So why are you angry about it? And why has your countenance fallen? And seven says this. If you do, if you do well, will you not be accepted? So Cain already knew this. If you do well, if you bring your first fruits, just like your brother knew. Abel knew what to bring. Are you following me? Y'all going to be quiet all day? I'm a participatory preacher. Amen. And if you don't participate, we're going to be here, Pastor. You're going to be late for your lunch reservation. <laughs> Chili's going to burn in the crock pot, so we're going to need a few amens. Head nodding. Yeah. Are you following me? Let's get into this a little bit. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Indicates that he already knew. Cain already knew what he was supposed to do, right? Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And that word right there, lies, King James used lies, at the door. And is and its desire is for you, but you should you should rule over it. So stay right here for one second. I, I, I want to teach on this for a second. Let's give you a couple of definitions. This word lies or to lie means to crouch. Right? In the concordance it says, all four legs folded. It's lying at the door, ready to pounce on you. Now think about a tiger, an animal like that, a cat. When they're, when they're hunting and they're bent down, their legs are all bent and, the, and their, their front legs are bent like this and their back legs bend the opposite of mine. But they're bent and, and, and they're ready to strike like a spring that's compressed. That energy is there and they're ready to pounce on you. And their desire is for you. That sin wants you. He's tempting you with it, right? But, but you should rule over it. And this word here, should, should rule in the concordance. If you look this up in the concordance, you study it out in, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew. It means to rule, to have dominion, to reign, to have dominion, or to exercise dominion. 
to exercise. You should exercise dominion over sin. Is that not what he's saying right here? You should, Stephen Dennis, exercise dominion over sin. That sin's crouching. It's ready to pounce on you at any time and maul you and take you to hell. But you should exercise your authority that Jesus Christ gave you over the sin. You should. But you have a free will. You get to decide whether you exercise the dominion or you let it take you down. Right? So sin desires you, but you should exercise your dominion over it. So the enemy attacked Cain's mind first, right? Would you agree? Because Cain knew what he was supposed to bring to God. He knew that he was supposed to bring the first fruits of, of, of the ground to God. But he didn't. He brought something, or maybe he didn't. He was the Bible doesn't say exactly. Either he didn't bring his first fruits, or he wasn't. He wasn't a joyous giver. Maybe he was ho hummed about it. I don't know what it was. I would. I would think that he was being greedy. That he didn't want to give his best to God. His best is what was worth the most, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. That was the, the the best was worth. So so his first fruits. And this brought me to my life. In my life, it's my time. That's my first fruit. Some of y'all may be your time. Maybe you, you, you name it. You fill in the blank. Whatever is in your life. But in my life, am I giving God my first fruits of my time? Or am I giving him my leftovers? Right? Sin's crouching at the door. We should exercise authority over it. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4 says this. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Talking about the church here. They will not, the church will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they, what's that say right there? Their own desires. Their own desires. You get that right there? Mm -hmm. Isn't that what Cain was after? Yes. If he was holding back from God? First fruits, your own desires. Greed. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And sometimes this may not be greed. Maybe it may just be, maybe it might just be something that you want to do that God's word doesn't approve of. Are you following? Mm -hmm. Sin. That's what we're talking about. Because of their own desires. Come on, sis. And four says, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. What's the truth? The word, right? Turn their ears away from the word and be turned aside into fables. Fables, a story, right? Cain was turned into a story. You think he'd been written about in the Bible if this wouldn't happen? Think about that. He was turned into a story because of his own desires. He denied sound doctrine. God came to him and tried to correct him. Did he not? He said, Cain, what are you mad about? Why has your countenance fell? Why has your face changed? Why are you doing this? You already know what you're supposed to do. And if you do what you're supposed to do, will you not be accepted? Will I not be pleased with your offering too? Cain, if you just do what you're supposed to do. God come to him. He tried to give him correction. Cain wouldn't receive it. So he was turned into a story. He was turned into a fable. So if we don't control sin, sin controls us then. Right. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah. Sin controlled Cain. Cain had the opportunity. He had a choice to make right there. He could have said, yes, God, you're right, and I'm wrong. Let me go back and get my first fruits. I'm going to bring it back, and I'm going to give you that, and I'm going to give you some more. Right? Because the Bible says if we're late with our tithes, we not only owe that for 10%, but what's it say, Bible scholars? We owe another fifth on top of that, right? We owe another 5% on top of that. Or not a fifth, but we owe 5 more percent on top of that. So he could have went back and said, God, I want to make it right with you, and brought that offering and gave it to him and took dominion over that sin. That's what Cain could have done. But instead... He got mad with his brother. He invited his brother out. And he, and he, he killed his brother over it. He, he went deeper into sin because it was unchecked. So, so we can take care of sin or sin will take care of us. Yeah. Anxiety is another avenue. 
That, that was sin and temptation we're talking about. Now we're going to go down another road here, another, another, another avenue right here, another, another street or path. So anxiety is another avenue. And, and maybe you don't believe that you have anxiety, but you just like to say that you worry a lot. Right? Talking to you too. I didn't know that I even dealt with anxiety at all. At all. When I was unsaved, when I lived in the world, I used to have anxiety when the lights got behind me. Wonder what they're going to pull me over for next, and and how much trouble I was going to be in, and what was going to happen, and if they're going to find anything in my car. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you may not. Most of y'all would probably wouldn't talk to me ten years ago, but God's changed me. Hallelujah. So now I realize just last week that I have anxiety still, but it's for a different thing. The police don't bother me at all anymore. I don't care what they think. I'll pull them over to talk to them if we need to. But 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 I have anxiety over preaching. Over getting up here and preparing this. Every week I think, I'm not good enough to do this, God. I can't do it on my own. There's no way. Lord, you're going to have to have this because I can't get it. I can't do it. And I worry about, do I have enough content? People are going to expect me to preach between 20 and 30 minutes. Sometimes I'll go 45 minutes. But do I have enough content to do that? Some of you teachers and preachers know what I'm talking about. Anxiety every week that I deal with. And I never realized it was anxiety until me and Brenda were talking about it, I think, last week. But I deal with I deal with that here. So Jesus says this. <clears throat> We're going to read. Uh, I didn't write it down up here. So what's the next scripture you have? Matthew. Did I skip a page? Nope. Matthew six thirty three or twenty four thirty three. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve. Check this out right here. God and mammon. Mammon is money, right? Isn't that what Cain was trying to do? He was trying to serve God and money. He was trying to look out for his best interests financially, but he was also bringing a little bit to give to God. Yeah. We can't fool God, church. You can't serve God and money. There's no way. No man can serve two masters. Cain couldn't do it, and neither can I. 25 says this. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Look at that right there. Now remember this. Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for what your for what your body, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? So you shouldn't take a thought for your life and worry about where we're we getting school clothes for the kids. What are we gonna eat? How are we gonna pay the light bill? How am I gonna do this? How am I gonna do that? Right? And twenty-six says <coughs> Behold the fowls. This is Jesus talking, by the way. It's in red letters. Look it up in your Bible. Behold the fowls of the air, for they for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they are? Aren't you better than a bird? Amen. Would you agree today that you're better than a bird? Amen. Come on, sis. <clears throat> Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? So if you worry really hard right here, Jesus is saying, if you worry really hard right here. Can you really add to the situation? Are you going to change anything with your worry? Are you going to make anything better with your worry? He's telling us don't take thought of that. Don't worry about that. Rely on him. Lean on him. Come on, sis. And why take you thought for raiment or clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. They don't make clothing. They don't work for clothing. But God makes the lilies of the field beautiful. Come on. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast in, into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? 
He's saying lean, lean toward God. Rely on God, not rely on what you're going to do. Don't worry about how you're going to get it done and how you're going to do it, but rely on Him. Therefore, take no thought. Now, I want to stop right here. We're going to camp out here for a minute. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Now, pay attention to this first part of the sentence. Therefore, Jesus, this is Jesus talking. Therefore, take no thought, saying. Isn't that what it says? Take no thought, saying. So, take no thought saying. Jesus said, take no thought saying. When, when, when you're taking a thought and you're troubled by that thought, you're troubled by cares, when pressure comes, here's how you're supposed, supposed to respond. Because here's what we usually do. We usually take that thought of the thing that we're worried about or the thing that we're anxious about and we meditate on that thing. Yeah. Some of you people who are anxious or worried, this is where you say amen at. Right? You meditate on that thing, and, 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 you, and, you, and you stew on that thing. And then next thing you start to do is you start to talk. Right, Your mouth opens up, and you start to talk about, I don't know how I'm going to pay my light bill. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How am I going to buy my kids Christmas this year? I, don't know, I just don't know how we're going to get this done. I don't know how this is going to happen. Instead of relying on God. So take no thought saying. Jesus said take no thought saying. So here's, here's how we should react. So, so instead of, instead of how, here's how we're supposed to respond. Are you ready for it? Don't care. I don't care. Amen. Take no thought saying. Don't worry about the pressure. Don't worry about the things that are coming. Because it's, it's not that you don't care about them. It's that you're not troubled by them. You're not troubled by them so you don't meditate on them. You don't have to worry about taking care of it because you're relying on God and His Word. There's over 3,300 promises in this book. Why do I need to worry about how I'm going to buy my kids Christmas? I don't. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Most of the time when troubles come, when troubles come and, and, we're, and we're troubled, we care about the troubles and we dwell on it, right? And then our imagination goes into effect, yeah. right? And we start seeing, oh, Lord, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And then we start to speak. Words come out, right? This is how our authority works. We start, we start believing on something. We start meditating on something. We believe in that thing, and then we speak it. This is how our authority works, and this is how we cast out the devil, right? This is how we cast these thoughts down. I'm going to show you a scripture here in a minute. This is how we cast these things down. So why, wouldn't you think the enemy wanted to control that part of you? Wouldn't you think that he'd want to control our words, church? Yeah. Right? If this is how we can control him, this is how we operate in that authority that he was telling Cain to operate in. If this is how Cain operates in this authority, wouldn't it, wouldn't it behoove the devil to, to control our words? And the silly part for us is we're allowing him to. We allow him to control what comes out of our mouth because we worry and we stew on it and we meditate on it. Sometimes we stay up late. We'll stay up all night long worrying about something, talking about it to our spouse instead of getting the word of God. And seeing what he says about our situation. This is how our authority works. So he wants to control our words. And he controls it by whispering little things in our ear. Giving us ideas. Giving us thoughts. Giving us imaginations. Are you following me? Satan knows the thoughts that we act on continually will determine the quality and the outcome of our life. It'll control, it, the thoughts you, that you give, that you heed to regularly will control whether you're preparing for Jesus to step out of the cloud. Are you following me? So he knows. How does he know that? He knows because he knows the word. The word of God tells us this. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. Whatever you're putting in your heart, whatever you believe in here, that's what you're going to be. That's what you're going to have. That's what we're going to be. And that's what we're going to have. When thoughts come, we have to deal with them. We should never get into worry. We should never get into anxiety. We shouldn't deal with these thoughts. 
We have the power, the authority to cast these thoughts down. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this. 2 Corinthians 10.5. You got that one back there? says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exhausts itself, exhausts itself against the knowledge of God. What's an argument? Those ideas, those thoughts, those things that he's whispering in your ear, those things that he'll tell you. He might not be telling your ear, maybe he's telling your spouse's ear, and then they're telling you what's going to happen back. Are you following me? Yeah. Am I right where I need to be at today? Is that why you all being quiet? Help you shake your heads. Participatory preacher. <laughs> Y'all want to get out of your own time? So, rise that exalts. Exalts means to rise itself up. So, if you have thoughts or ideas or things that you're worried about that are rising themselves up against the understanding of God or the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, right? He's talking about thoughts here, right? Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The obedience of Christ. What Christ say? What Christ say? Take no thought, saying. Right? So we have to take those thoughts into the obedience of Christ. What Christ told us to do with thoughts. Don't take this thought and talk about it. Right? When enemy comes against your mind, don't take that thing and talk about it. Don't, don't meditate on that thought. Instead, cast that thought down. You know how to cast thoughts down? We've talked about that in church, right? You cast down, I cast down that thought in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. And then throw a little scripture in it. Right? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Because, we, because when you do that, you cast it down in Jesus' name, it has to respond to the authority of Jesus Christ, right? To the obedience of Jesus Christ. But then when we put some scripture in it, we start thinking about the scripture and stop thinking about what the thought was. Yeah. Are you following me? And one time may not work because we're going to go back to it. Our mind, we've been training our minds for, mine's been training for 40 years to act like this. So it's going to take a while to get turned around. Are you following me? So... So with that knowledge right there, would you would you would you agree with me? Oh, actually, Matthew six thirty three. I about skipped that part too. I didn't put it in my notes. Matthew six thirty three. We're going to read on to that, right? It says, "But he's saying, take no thought and say, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you." Amen. So instead of worrying about it and meditating on it and then talking about that, but the holy but right there, right? The holy but. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this other stuff that you're worried about, you're going to have it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. If you'll seek God first, blessing will follow you around, church. Yes. You'll be blessed yes. if you just seek him first. Live your life for God. The rest of that stuff will just come to you. Yeah. It'll come to you. Scripturally, so, so knowing that, we'd have to agree that it's scripturally possible to walk in peace, joy, victory, and never have our peace joy or victory diminished by any thoughts, right? Never diminished by, by anything that's going around us. Our circumstances will never diminish our peace, joy, or victory. Right? Would y'all agree with that? Yeah. Would never happen. <clears throat> if you're thinking about it, you're worried about it. Think about that. If you're thinking about it, you're worried about it. And if you're worried about it, it's because you're relying on yourself or you're relying on others to get something done for you. To make to take care of the situation, whatever the situation may be. What you're thinking, what are we gonna do about it? What am I gonna do about it? Right? When he's totally capable. Yeah. When I'm worried about what I'm gonna do, that means something has to be done. I have to do something in the future. But when I realize that God is totally capable, he's already done it. His son's already died on the cross so that I can inherit these thirty three hundred promises that are in this book. Amen. Are you following me? It's already done. I was sitting here at this altar, right here with this paper set this week, and I was praying to God, and I was looking for more of him, and I was just wanting to spend time with him, and I just noticed my hand. And it's something you see all the time, so you get kind of used to it. But when, but when you look at your hand, and, and think about how amazing it is. 
something as simple as our hand is or something we get so used to. But, I mean, it's got muscles and tendons and bones in it. And, and, and I can think with my mind, an electrical impulse goes down and pulls on the little tendon and it makes the muscle. Do you get how complex that is? Man could never make anything like that. But, but that's so amazing. I was just amazed by looking at my hands when I thought of how much thought and how God had made just my body. Just me, little old me. He's made this thing so amazing that sometimes it's easy to become dependent on it. It's easy to become dependent on ourselves when we realize how amazing a creation that God has made. But he wants us to depend on us, on him, not on us. On him. Proverbs 6.2 says this. 6.2? Got Proverbs 6.2? No. No? I got it. I broke out my King James. I will come back to that one too. Says, I broke out my King James one today. It's my old preaching Bible. 6.2 says, Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. You are snared with the words of my mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. You are snared with the words of thy mouth. And you are taken with the words of your mouth. So, so what this is talking about here, if you study this out in, in, in the Hebrew, it's talking about a hunter. A hunter and a hunter in these days, a, a lot of times they would dig a hole in the ground and they put some cover over it. So, so when an animal came through, they put it on a, on a path or something where, where an animal could come out. And, and when the animal came through there, it would fall in the hole. And then the hunter, the hunter could come along and capture the animal and get him out and eat him and get his hide, whatever he's going to do. So, so he's saying, "Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth." So, so he's talking about the hunter that falls into his own trap. Because of your words. Because of your words. We're supposed to be catching something else. We're supposed to have authority over something else because of our words. Yet we're falling into our own trap. We're digging the hole. We know where it's at. We know how our authority works. We know how our words work for us. The most powerful thing on your body is right below your nose. Right? Right? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Are you following me? So we're falling into that own trap. We're falling into that hole. And then we're at the will of the enemy. Does that make sense? So we're talking about a hunter here. So in Philippians 4, 6, says this. Do you have that one back there? Be careful for nothing. Careful. See that word right there? Careful. Right? New, or the, the New King James uses the word anxious. So you can relate this back to Matthew 6, 31, right? When he says, take no thought and say, don't, don't care about the thought. Don't worry about that thought. Don't get. I got a lot of scripture today. I want you to see this. Don't get hung up on that thought, right? So be careful for nothing. Don't worry about the thought he's saying here again. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be be made known unto God. So, so instead of being careful about that and taking that thought and and saying that thought, we should give our attention to God, right? We should go to God and pray about. It. We should get in God's word and see what God's word says about us. Does that make sense? So the more attention we give to the problem, the bigger pro- the, pro- the problem see- seems. Yes? The bigger the problem seems. It's kind of like a shadow. The shadow of something is a lot bigger than what the object really is. Does that make sense to you? So the bigger the problem seems, and then we start preparing for the failures that we're going to have in our life. We all do it. We all do it when we think about things like that. So, so... Brenda was talking to me this morning about this, and she talked about some extreme cases of anxiety. People worry about what they're going to wear. They wake up in the morning, and they're worried about, they're so worried about what they're going to wear, and this doesn't affect me because I can't match clothes, and I don't really care. I really don't. I could care less. I wear sweatpants and a t-shirt. If they don't match, 
whatever. I don't care. I go out of the house with my hair messy and nobody seems to bother. So anyway, people in really extreme anxiety cases, though, they, they, they will be so worried about what they're going to wear that day that they won't even get out of the house. They'll go back to bed. That seems silly to us, doesn't it? But we all have a certain degree of this. We all have a certain degree that affects us, and then we start to prepare for that failure before it even happens. Ninety-something percent of everything that we worry about never comes to fruition anyway. So what can we do about it, you say, preacher? What can we do about this thing? Your spirit, let me tell you this first. Your spirit was designed, and your spirit can deal with pressure. Your spirit was designed to deal with pressure. You see, our medical world today, they think that we need drugs, right? They're dealing with our mind. We need to get out of our mind and into our spiritual man because our mind wasn't designed to deal with the pressures of the enemy, right? It wasn't. If we stay in the, in, in the mental arena, we'll lose. It's like Katie said this morning. If you try to fight that battle on your own, you will lose. But if you drag the enemy from the mental arena over into the spiritual arena, yeah. you've got the authority in the spiritual arena. Amen. This is where we can win. This is why we fight our battles there. We let God fight our battles for you, yeah. for us because we know that we can lean on him. She picked that song that it was great and I didn't even ask her. I didn't, she didn't know what I was preaching. So your spirit was designed to deal with pressure. Your mind was not. Your spirit can deal with that pressure and your mind cannot. So we don't need medicine. We don't need medicine for, for depression or those things. We have to deal with it. Though. We just have, well, what we need to do instead of getting medications is get more spiritual. We have to deal with these things in the spiritual realm. These, if we don't deal with, with these pressures, they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And sometimes they get larger than life. Yeah. Some people take their life over these pressures that we're talking about. Probably everyone in here knows someone who has yeah. taken their life because of things they were worried about. And there's such pressure on them. And, and, and so what can we do about it? What can, how, how, how do we deal with this preacher? Well, we keep our attention on the word and what the word says concerning your case, right? Concerning what you're worried about. Or the temptations that you, not, not just worry. Remember, there was two avenues here today. Worry and temptation. Anxiety and temptation. So we keep our mind or keep our attention on what the Word says concerning your case. And i got a couple more scriptures here for you. Proverbs 4, 20-23. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Pay attention to God's word right here. Keep your ears. So, so you're listening to the preached word. You're doing the right thing today. Being here listening to the preached word. My son, go ahead. <clears throat> Do not let them depart from your eyes. So he's saying put them in your ears and put them in your eyes. God's word, what? God's word right here, right? Get your face in the word. Get your ears in the word. Put your eyes in your ears. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, Right? Whatever's going in your ears and your eyes is going to go in your heart, doesn't it? Isn't that what the Bible says? Come on, sis. For they are life. The word is life, right? For the word is life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. There's your health right there. In God's word. In God's word, in 23 says this. Keep your heart with all diligence, right? Just like we're seeking after God. Just like that bride is with her groom. Diligently preparing for that wedding, right? We should be diligently preparing for Christ's return. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of the out out of it springs the issues of life. Now, there's two the the, the the issues of life come out of your heart. Where do your issues come from? Right, your issues come from the worries that you have that you talk about. This makes a full circle right here, doesn't it? 
Because the life and health that it was talking about is like Proverbs 18.21. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, right? And those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So the life and the health that he was talking about can come from your tongue. Or the issues of life can come from your tongue. What you're putting into your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the Bible says. Whatever you're putting into your ears and into your eyes are going into your heart, right? There's two avenues here today that we're talking about. Anxiety, anxiety, and temptation. And I believe this affects everybody. I didn't think it affected me until this last week. I knew that I was nervous about preaching. I knew that I've always been nervous about preaching, but I didn't know, didn't realize that it was, that's what anxiety is until we were there and we were talking about it. So if we could get every head bowed this time. Daddy, I thank you for today, Lord. I love you, Father, and I pray you, Lord. I pray that you would touch this congregation. Lord, soften our hearts. Lord, prepare us, Daddy. Lord, cause your, your, your